Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. Well, uh, I am super excited to be teaching today. This is a thrilling, thrilling time here at TCC. The ministry year is getting ready to kick off. All the different ministries are loading up. We're asking for you to jump on a team and uh, get involved. And you can see on your uh, seats around you, uh, luckily if we had enough paper this morning, um, that there is a, a note there and it has all the different areas where you can plug in and serve, some of which are urgent that we really need some added help before we get this year uh, kicked off. Um, but one thing is coming up on Tuesday, and if you are just kind of looking for an area, uh, you just want to test it out and see what it's like, our Campus Sidekicks program happens at Roosevelt Elementary. That's the school that this church, Tulare Community Church, that we have adopted on the west side of town. There's some amazing things happening there at Roosevelt Elementary, and we are going to be doing a teacher's kind of like appreciation to kick off the year, we're going to do a breakfast with them. And we did this last year, um, and some amazing things took place at this breakfast. We were able to actually circle up with the teachers and, and hold hands and pray um, there right before they went out into their classrooms and kind of hear some of their stories. And so there are some amazing things happening there. And so you, if you're just looking to test something out, you know, just date it before you marry it, we totally get that, um, then go and find either myself or Vicki Dykstra after the service, and we would love to get you plugged in um, at this event. So uh, this is going to be a great year. And we're really, really looking forward to it. Now, we're in this series called Evergreen. And it's a, a three-part series that Shane actually kicked off with his message on growing deep. Now, Shane taught us about the importance of being rooted in the foundational truths of God's Word and growing deeper in love with God. Now, Shane also mentioned last week that Pastor Steve thought that a message on growing deep fit him best. So apparently, Shane... Uh, has deeper roots than I do. Now, um, not not offended by that or anything. Uh, Steve also told us that a message about standing tall seemed to fit me better. And as the tallest member of the staff team, I am more than okay with that. So if you would, just turn in your Bibles, or if you're a better Christian because your Bible's on your phone and you always have it with you, go to 2 Peter chapter 1, 1 through 8. This is going to be our main text to give you a minute to get there. Our main text that we're going to be in, so keep that in front of you today. And this passage of, of Scripture is said to be one of the densest parts of Scripture. There is just a ton of meat here, and so this should be really, really good. All right, Second Peter 1, 1 through 8. It starts with this. This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. Two things to note there. He uses his given name, Simon, right? Not just Peter, the name that Jesus gave him, but Simon. And he also says, a slave and apostle. We don't hear that language very much anymore, that we call ourselves slaves to, to Christ. Slaves in our Christian faith. But he does. And I'm writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God in Jesus our Lord. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, 
and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's the question today. Here's the question that I want to ask all of you. Are you just growing in age, or are you growing in faith? Are you growing in age, or are you growing in faith? As we imagine our Christian faith as a tree in this series, I want to start by sharing two principles that I've learned about growth from Pastor Skip Heitzig. Because if we want to stand tall in our faith, it's going to take a lot of growth first. Now these two principles apply to everyone, and I want to speak really, really clearly on this to all age groups, so tweens, teens, young adults, adults, grandparents. I want you to listen very closely to these two things. There's a misconception out there in the Big C Church That spiritual growth and spiritual maturity has to do with your age. Now this is 100% false. I'm not just saying this as the young guy to the older crowd. Your spiritual growth, your spiritual maturity has nothing to do with your age. You can be an older person and still be a spiritual baby. Charles Spurgeon once said that there are children in the church who are 70 years of age. And on the other hand, there are wise and instructed stable folk who are relatively young. Maybe you felt in the past that you were too young, that you don't have spiritual maturity and and wisdom to contribute much to the church, that you can't get involved and serve in some of the ministries and help lead people in discipleship, that you can't help people by contributing to their faith because you're just not mature enough, you're not old enough. As I was writing this, this, this message this week, I examined my own life, and I am so thankful that God called me to TCC. In the past three years that I've been here, I have grown so much more than probably the last decade in my Christian life. And I'm so, so thankful for that. But I'd like to challenge you to do the same, to take a look at your life after this message and ask yourself, have I been growing more spiritually mature lately or just growing in age? The second thing that I learned is this, that you can grow spiritually as much as you want to grow. The secret is using what God has provided to you. Church, before we talk about the steps to growing spiritually tall, it's important to look at how our spiritual life started. And I want to remind you today that if you're a believer, that at some point early on in your life, God opened your heart to make a way for his gospel message to change you. He has the power to do this. Acts 16, 14 shows us this. It says in verse 14, one of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Now, I also want to remind you today that if you're a believer, shortly after he opened your heart, that you went through a process called regeneration. Now, regeneration is something that we believe in our Reformed doctrine as well. It's also known or it's also called as born again, okay? John 3, 3, Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now, Scripture uses the words born and born again because we don't have an active role to play in regeneration other than the fact that it it happened to us. You see, we didn't do anything on our part in this phase. When you think about our birth into this world, we didn't choose to be born, right? It just happened to us. Life was just given to us. And in that same way, you didn't deserve to be born again. 
You can't do that on your own, but God can. And because of his grace, because of his justice, and because of his fairness, we are experiencing regeneration. We are born again. And regeneration is defined as a secret act of God in which he imparts a new spiritual life to us. 1 John 3, 9 says, No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. You see, John is teaching us that a person who is born again has that spiritual seed, that life-generating and growing power within them. And that seed keeps the person living free of continual sin. Now, this doesn't just mean that you, you won't sin, okay? Any of us who have been driving in our car and been cut off by somebody knows that you can't live without sin, right? I've had to ask for forgiveness plenty of times behind the steering wheel. Being born again just means with the seed planted in your heart, That you are no longer the same person. You're not the same person who's attracted to the habit and the pattern of sin. You are a new creation. And that new creation wants what is holy. But you battle human desires of sin continually. You see, luckily for us, God is our planner. And he has planted our faith in good soil. And he has that living water. He has that divine power that provides everything that you need to fight temptation and stand tall. When I was writing this message, I was getting excited, and I'm so excited to share this with you this morning. If we look at verse 3 of our text, right, our main text today, it says, By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him, the One who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. There it is again. We received all of this by coming to know Him, by coming into relationship with Him. And how did we come into relationship with him? Because he called us to him by his glory and excellence. Regeneration. That same verse says that our planter has divine power. Now remember, we can grow as much as we want to grow in our faith. We just have to use what God has provided. You see, divine power is available to us from our planter. Divine power does some amazing things. It's the same power that holds the planets in place. It's the same power that controls the sea. It's the same power that knits a baby together in a a mother's womb. It's the same power that allows you to fold a fitted sheet. It is that powerful. Never have I been able to fold a fitted sheet. But it's that power that we have access to in order to grow. And as Scripture affirms that this power is available to us, we look at Philippians 1, verse 6, it says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to see it through by his power. The second thing that our planter has is promises. So if we look at verse 4 of our text, it says, And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. Not just any promises, but great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Praise God for this verse. Praise God for this promise. Some of you guys came to church just needing to hear this verse right here. But what do we know about promises? What do we know about promises? Promises are only as good as the person making them, right? For whatever reason, when I thought about this, I heard my dad's voice quoting Wimpy from Popeye's right? How many of you guys remember that cartoon? Raise your hand. How many of you guys don't even know it's a cartoon, but you love some Wimpy's fries, right? I remembered this. My dad used to say this all the time. Wimpy, he used to say in that cartoon, I'll gladly pay you Tuesday 
for a hamburger today, right? And what does that mean? It means don't trust that fool. You're not going to see him on Tuesday. He is not going to pay you back. He, you are not going to get the money for that hamburger. That is an empty promise. You see, a promise is only as good as the person making it. And our God promises, promises us a new life. He promises a new direction, and he is faithful. Now, it's up to us on if we're going to actually apply ourselves to those promises. You see, a mature believer is relaxed and certain. He's not anxious about the promises from God. Okay, God, I mean, you said you were going to step in. You, you said that you were going to make a way, but I, I, I haven't seen it yet. You said that you were going to step in. You were going to intervene. You were going to point me in a new direction, but God, I, I'm, st- I'm still a little bit lost. No, a mature believer says, if you speak it, I believe it. If you planted me, then I will grow. Galatians chapter 4, 5 through 7 shows us the magnitude of God's promises. When he planted that seed in us, he did it with the intentions that we would be partners in his divine nature. Partners in the life of God, that we would be adopted into his family. Galatians 4, 5 through 7 says, To redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. This means that no matter how hard the wind blows against us, no matter how tough the situation is in our personal lives, no matter what we're up against, we can trust in the fact that our roots have been set firmly in the gospel promises and that the spirit of the Son will see us through. But here's the thing. Unfortunately, I feel like too many people that have been born again They have this seed that's been planted. They've witnessed saving faith in their life. And through repentance, they've turned to Christ. They know the gospel story. They know Jesus and some of those foundational truths. They know that those things have taken place in their lives. Their roots have spread out. But after their personal faith sprouted and they began to grow upward spiritual in that spiritual maturity, for some reason, they suddenly stopped growing. They pressed the pause button. They've adopted this doctrine of providence, which is fine. It's, it's what we believe as Christians in this church. The doctrine of providence is this idea that God is all-powerful. And due to that, he is continually involved in all created things in such a way that he keeps them existing and maintains all the properties with which they were created. That he cooperates with created things in every single action, directing their distinct properties to cause them to act as they do and direct them to fulfill his purposes. Basically, it's a fancy way of saying that God is in complete control over everything. Now, the shadow side of this is that if you believe that since God controls everything according to his will to be worked out for his purposes, that that somehow that means that nothing you do really matters, that your choices and your involvement in your faith doesn't really matter, that you are completely wrong. That's also known in our society as letting go and letting God. Or as Carrie Underwood would put it, Jesus take the wheel, right? That is not being a responsible Christian. That's not being a mature Christian. That's being lazy and distorting this whole righteous, perfect doctrine. And too many Christians have done this and become spiritually idle. You see, the process of sanctification 
distancing ourselves further from our sins and growing to be more and more like Christ in our nature isn't happening. They don't want to wrestle with scriptural truths. It's too hard to gain that type of knowledge. They just want the Christian community, the Christian fellowship aspect. They love to serve others, and so they stop the sanctification process of growing tall, and instead they begin to branch out. And unfortunately, what they've become is this beautiful little bonsai tree. Look at that. Looks good, right? There's faith there. They have a testimony of redemption, and they've been born again. But there's so much more spiritual growth to be done. That's how I felt when I looked back at my life. At some point in time, I stopped growing through the word and tried to replace it with acts of service, with, through the church commitment, through good works, and the sanctification process in me had been put on pause. You see, sanctification is a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong journey of growing tall, steadily growing. And sanctification is a collaborative act where God works with man. We work together to grow more and more free from sin and more and more like Christ in our lives. This is a process. This is a work that we have to take part in. And it's not like being born again. This is a progressive work. It's supposed to take place throughout our entire lives, in our 70s, in our 80s, in our 90s. This is something that is supposed to continually happen. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 through 14 says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting it what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Are we straining towards what God has called us to? Are we giving it our very best? We must press on through life as we look to grow upwards towards the heavenly prize that God has called us to through Jesus. We have a role to play. We have to be active participants. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. You have an active role to play. It's not just going to happen to you. You have to work it out in your life. And the beauty of this is that we don't have to do this alone, that God has given us everything we need. But see, the text says something weird after that. It, verse 3 of our text that we have, our main text, it says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Great. But then in verse 5, it says, In view of all this, even though, make every effort to respond to God's promises, supplement your faith. Supplement. Like add to. So knowing that God has given us everything that we need, now add to. God, you, you gave us everything that we need. You've provided the seed for this new Christian life. And thank you, by the way. It is It is awesome. You planted me in good soil with your word. You watered me with your living water, the kind that makes me thirst no more, the kind that provides eternal life. What else do I need, God? How the heck do you add something to everything? And why? Why would I do that? Well, here's why. What does God want from our tree? He doesn't want a living tree, just a living tree. He doesn't just want a tree that's continuing to grow. He wants our tree to produce. And to produce what? Good fruit, right? How many of you fertilize your plants and trees at home? Raise your hand. See, that's supplementing. You have a plan for when you're going to give them fertilizer and what kinds that you're going to give them, right? 
Well, this didn't just pop into your head. This isn't an idea that we created. This is actually something that was brought up in the Bible. Let's look at the rest of verse 5. It says, Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God doesn't just say, I want you to play an active role in your faith and then let us scramble to figure out how to do it. He gives us the supplement plan. God wants us to add some nutrients to our faith. And the first fertilizer is virtue. Virtue meaning moral excellence. Another way to think of this is fulfilling the purpose for what you were made to do. God's original intent for you. The second is knowledge. And the Greek word here is epinosis, meaning full knowledge. Because, like I mentioned before, some have a basic knowledge, right? They know Jesus, they know his story, and then they stop growing in knowledge. A basic knowledge doesn't actually set us apart. Because we know that even the devil and his minions know who Jesus is. You see, it's one thing to know about Jesus and to know about what he believes. But it is a whole other thing to know him, to love him, and to follow his ways. The next fertilizer, self-control. Oftentimes there's a huge gap between what we know and what we do. So self-control allows us to take what we know and do it. It means saying no to the sinful nature that still exists deep down in our hearts and then saying yes to the ways of Christ. The next fertilizer, perseverance means to withstand the winds of our trials. The next is godliness, literally God-like, being right with God vertically and also being right with God in our relationships horizontally. We talk a lot, a, a lot about that here. The next is brotherly kindness, and this is brotherly love, which matures into the last one, which is love. The word here used is used to reference the sacrificial love of Jesus demonstrated on the cross. Now, here's how this supplement plan works. You see, this isn't a buffet system. This isn't one where you just get to pick and choose which one you want to apply to your life at any given moment. It's given to us in order in the text for a reason. This system is designed to build off of each other. So if you add to your faith life virtue, then it's, and it's going to lead to a hunger for knowing God more. And when you know God better, then we're ready for self-control. And we let that sink into our roots until it's absorbed into our daily habits, which allows us to then persevere through all of the hard times that are going to come. And as we persevere, we become more like God's character. And as we learn more about God's character, we begin to put it into practice through brotherly kindness. And at this point, we can't even help it. It just radiates out of us, which leads us to the sacrificial love for others. Now, here's the last point that I want to make. This house that we live in, um, currently. It was actually Sean's grandparents' house on her mother's side. Now, they were amazing people. And when Sean's uh, grandfather passed away, she was about two years old. They actually planted this tree in the front yard. Now, if you look at this tree today, it towers above all the other trees in the area, right? It is a beautiful tree. It is massive. And uh, for reference, that little white dot there, that's not a soccer ball sitting in the grass. That's actually my daughter, Willow, right? <laughs> I know, super cute. I needed a little time filler so we can just sit there and... No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm going to get distracted there. But now this tree started off as a seed, okay? At some point, it started off as a seed. 
And from there, it began to, to, to spring up through the soil and grow. And at some point, my, my in-laws bought this tree, right? And it was in a pot. And it was transferred there. And it was in good soil in that pot, right? Good soil, healthy soil. It was nourishing. But the soil was limited by the pot. You see, if we look at what the Bible says about good soil, we see that in the parable of the sower, Jesus says in Matthew 13, 23, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces the crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. You see, the Bible is where we gain the knowledge needed to build a mature faith that produces good fruit. And the Holy Spirit is here to help us understand the word. Now, we don't want to stay in that rocky soil. Verse 5 of that same parable says, Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. You see, verse 8 of our text says, The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be. So my point is, if we want to stand tall in our faith, if we want to grow, if we want to be more productive and useful to our Father and to His kingdom, if we want to plant ourselves in God's Word, then we have to seek to attain the full knowledge of truly knowing Him and what He has called us to do in our lives. Remember that we can grow as much as we want to, but it comes from His power and His source, and that is His Word. My wife's family could have easily just left that tree in the pot and put it right in the middle of the yard. And today it would probably be right about the same size. It wouldn't have grown. It wouldn't have taken off. It would have just grown old. But instead, they put that thing in the ground where its roots could grow deep and strong in an abundance of good soil and bust up my concrete driveway. And today, it is standing tall. And you know, while Sean's grandma was still alive, bless her heart, she would actually every day go out and put a water hose on that tree and just let water just kind of sprinkle into the roots. That tree has never, ever once gone thirsty. And if that isn't just an image of God watering our souls, I don't know what what is. So I ask you again, do you want to stand tall? What are you doing today in your faith journey? Are you growing and are you working out with your faith? Are you working your faith out with divine power that God is offering to us? Or are you just growing old? Just a happy little bonsai tree. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.